Hi there, Dr. B here with your Module 4 Clarifying Lecture. Welcome to my office. Um, it's been a while since I've been here, but it's good to be back. I'll start with announcements and talk about your inner teaching, and then talk a little bit about your cyber rat. First of all, um, it seems that whenever I hear from you there's a problem. I'd love to hear what's going well for you and meet some of you. So um, come by office hours. I'm online every Thursday night from 7.30 to 9 on Zoom, and I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to hear um, some of your successes and what you're um, planning on doing. So um, please stop by. Um, would love to hear from you. Let's talk a little bit about inner teaching. Um, so inner teaching had some issues this week, but not major ones. Um, I still am seeing people reinforcing people as opposed to behavior. And what I want you to do is I really want you to practice talking in behavioral terms and avoiding explanatory fictions. And so um, a word about Catania. Catania was a student of Skinner's and full disclosure, I was a student of Catania's. And um, he's gonna say things super, super strict. Other books may not say it as strictly, um, but I think it's important for you to know the super strict uh, way of doing things. Um, it's possible it may not be on the BACB exam in its um, current form, but um, some of the clinical decisions that you have to make aren't on the BACB exam either. So I think it's important for you to have these things in your repertoire for when you really need them. I'm also seeing some of you still saying a little too clinical. Remember that these are principles that affect every single person. So what I want you to do is really look around you um, and see where are these principles being applied outside a session, outside of your clinical work. You know, when you go to the grocery store, what principles of behavior are you seeing? When you go to the gym, what types of principles of behavior are you seeing? When you interact with your family, what types of principles of behavior are you seeing? When you interact with strangers, what types of principles of behavior are you seeing? And if you do that on a regular basis, you'll really start to appreciate how many of these behavioral principles you see in life. And you'll see that really everything's behavior and everything falls under the science of behavior, just like bio. A little discussion about the term behavior modification. Now, I think Catania does use this term. Um, and I would caution you against it. And the reason that I caution you against it is because it's an old school term. So when we talk about modifying behavior, a lot of people jump to the idea of um, extreme aversives, for example, shock, water mist, mayonnaise in the mouth, hot sauce, that type of thing. Also, behavior modification has kind of been co-opted to mean any type of behavior change. So when I went through my health coach co um, certification, they talked about weight loss as behavior modification. And what they were suggesting was definitely not behavior analytic in nature. So make sure that you're using the term behavior analysis. Otherwise, the waters get a little muddied. So let's talk a little bit about the extinction question. Um, most of you got why behaviors can't always be um, considered extinguished just because they went away. 
Um, most of you also got the idea that behaviors are never out of somebody's repertoire. So once we learn something, we can't unlearn it barring some organic event. Um, where I saw some people lacking was that extinction isn't the only way to suppress responding. So punishment does so. Um, free reinforcement does so. Differential reinforcement does so. Although differential reinforcement is usually used in combo with extinction. So to say that you're using punishment to extinguish a behavior is mixing concepts. And that's why we don't use the term extinction or extinguish to mean get rid of, just like we don't use the term shaping and learning um, interchangeably. Most of you got the ideas of DRO, free reinforcement, and extinction. Um, and um, like I said, DRO tends to also include extinction in it. So um, they kind of go hand in hand. Some of you got a little bit confused on the free reinforcement thing. Um, you may know it as non-contingent reinforcement, um, it, but the technical term really is time-based schedules because the term non-contingent reinforcement got a little muddied um, because people say, oh, well, reinforcement has to be contingent on a response. Um, and free reinforcement is contingent on something. It's contingent upon the passage of time. So in module five, you're probably still working on your uh, fixed and variable time schedules. That's what free reinforcement is. That's what NCR is. Um, they're all different terms to explain the same thing, but it's important to know all of them. Um, I just want to double check because I'm seeing people thinking of DRO as a procedure or an intervention. DRO is actually, uh, your DRLs, that type of thing, they're actually schedules of reinforcement. So in this case, and Katani uses this, I use it too, um, where I say DR0. So what you're really doing is you're reinforcing the absence of a certain response. And when we say differential reinforcement of other behavior, this is another one of those terms that really could have been said differently. We're talking about differential reinforcement of any other behavior, any other behavior except for that one specific response. It's not teaching an alternative. That's an intervention called DRA. Okay, so uh, DRA is an intervention, DRO is a schedule of reinforcement. I want to talk about all of the side effects of extinction. Here, two people talk about these things differently. I think it's important to have the precision, um, again, because when it comes to application, the more precision you have, the better. So there are multiple side effects of extinction. The first is the extinction burst. Just about everybody got that. Spontaneous recovery and resurgence are sometimes said as both, they're both called spontaneous recovery, but they're actually two different processes. So spontaneous recovery is when you see a burst of responding. You might see this in a session where you've placed a behavior on extinction, you've gone through the extinction burst, you're sure you're home free, and boom, something happens again. That's what spontaneous recovery is. Resurgence is if you come back after a month or two and you see the behavior again, which is a test of whether those contingencies are still in effect. If you reinforce it, it'll come right back. Now, let's talk a little bit about inductive response, responding and emotional behavior as it relates to extinction bursting. 
So um, sometimes people will use the vending machine analogy. So they'll say, if you go to a vending machine, you put a dollar in. And that dollar goes in, you press the button a couple times, nothing comes out. You press it, press it, press it, press it. That's your extinction burst. Same behavior bursting, okay? Usually around the apex of the extinction burst, what you'll see is you'll see inductive responding. So you'll see other behaviors happening. Sometimes they're called emotional responses. So you might start swearing at the machine, or you might start shaking it, or you might um, kick the machine, or you might put your hand in there, um, or something to that effect. Those are inductive responses. And they're also sometimes called emotional behaviors. Katani uses that term too. Now, when it, why is this important? Because there are a couple of things to know about extinction. First of all, um, extinction, again, is not an intervention. It's a natural phenomena. And any behavior can be placed on extinction. Um, the biggest clinical one that you'll see that doesn't involve um, suppressing a problem behavior is when somebody um, terminates a, an intervention abruptly. So you see actually a burst of appropriate behavior and then a decrease. Um, another way that inductive responding is used is in lag schedules um, and also promoting generalization. So inductive responding, um, you can use Let's say if somebody is stuck on always the same thing over and over, you can place that response on extinction. You start getting inductive responding, and now you're building a response class or an operant class. So you get to have more responses that contact that same reinforcer. So extinction can be used in a number of ways, but it's also a, uh, a natural phenomenon. Punishment. So we know that punishment reduces responding. Um, we know that, um, that there's two types. We know that there's positive punishment and negative punishment. Um, a thing to remember is that a lot of you will get that, you know, you don't reinforce a person, you, you reinforce their behavior. Same thing with punishment. You cannot punish a person. You can only punish their behavior. This one's a little bit harder because we use this term so colloquially but it is important to remember that punishment is a process and it's a relationship between a punisher and a response. All right, so um, you can have um, kind of inductive responses. You can have some emotional responding. That's not the same as emotions. Um, it's um, behavior that causes lots of biology to happen, um, increased heart rate, that type of thing. and. Um, if you've ever been sent to your room as a teenager, you probably did not go without a little bit of a fight. And um, that's what we're talking about when we say those emotional responses. And then if those are punished, then more emotional responses happen. And if those are punished, you see where this goes. And this is kind of how you end up in your room until you're 30. Um, so it's important to understand how each of these things interact with each other. I also forgot to put in my plug that when I used to write behavior plans for the autism program in public schools that I worked for, that the director um, insisted that if extinction was used, that in those plans, all of the side effects of extinction had to be addressed. So just something to consider. 
So sentiment avoidance is a little um, difficult to understand. And in 623, you're going to read coercion and its fallout where Sidman really talks about this a lot. And he talks about how the application could be to the society at large. So um, what this is, is that, you know, you get shot, get shot, get shot. Shot, I mean, not shot. Um, and when the punishment is signaled, the organism is more likely to engage in a negatively reinforced response, which results in avoiding contact with the punishing stimulus. So um, if the punishment is somehow signaled, there's an SD for punishment, um, we will engage in some sort of response that results in avoiding contact with that punishing stimulus. So for the parenting expert one, there was one thing that I wanted you to make sure that you were um, doing, and I wanted you to address the bad use of terms. So I wanted you to talk about um, the fact that negative reinforcement and punishment are not the same thing. Common error, right? But I also wanted you to address the intrinsic and extrinsic reinforcement thing, because this is something that you need to know as a behavior analyst, and you're going to hear a lot if you work um, anywhere where um, people might have read Alfie Cohn's Punished by Rewards or anything like that. Um, so behavior analysts don't necessarily distinguish intrinsic versus extrinsic reinforcement. We might say natural reinforcement versus contrived, um, which is, I think, where they're going with that. And so what we know is that contrived reinforcers can bridge the delay until natural reinforcers are established. So this idea that extrinsic or unnatural types of reinforcers somehow suppress those more natural reinforcers has really not been shown by the literature. And there are two really good um, articles about it, both written by Judy Cameron, that um, emphasize this point. Also, make sure that you are reading the Catania book and that your Catania book is part of your response. Um, also, make sure that you're reading the Johnston book. So there are questions that involve the Johnston book. Most of you are referencing Catania, but I'm not seeing a whole lot of reference to Johnston, so make sure that you're doing that. The religion question, it seems like none of you wanted to go there because um, I did get kind of the um, what Skinner would... Um, say is religion, but I didn't see, I didn't hear a lot about whether or not um, you all were um, somehow, you know, concerned about that or it went against something that uh, you personally believe. And um, I want you to kind of reconcile that because some of you may have an issue with the idea of, of Skinner saying there is no free will. There's no such thing um, that he's saying that, you know, religion is a contingency. And nowhere, no how, not ever will I tell you what to believe. So I will never tell you that as a behavior analyst, you have to give up your faith um, because you do not. Um, but that being said, like you did and did very well, uh, you do have to explain Skinner's position on it. Um, that doesn't mean that you have to go with it, but you do have to be able to understand how that works and how that works within um, the framework of explaining society. So 
if Skinner's saying that we have free will, we don't have free will, I mean, it means that we're also not free to choose our responses. So when we go to do an intervention plan, we can't say, well, that was their choice, because if all behavior is determined, there is a function to that response, no matter what it is. Let's go into CyberRat. I was really, really pleasantly um, surprised um, and um, thrilled to see um, the rapid increase of um, you know, the quality of your work. I saw some really stellar papers this week, things that would get published in Java or JAP. Um, so um, I can see who's taking account into my feed, taking into account my feedback. Those who are watching and listening to these clarifying lectures, it's showing and keep doing it. Um, no post reinforcement pauses, please, uh, because you are doing a fantastic job. I will make this announcement. I'm only going to make it here. Um, so this is a bit of a test of whether or not people are listening to clarifying lectures. Um, you may redo Milestone 1 only because the, um, the directions for Milestone 1 were very unclear. Um, and so if you would like to redo Milestone 1, you may do so. You can turn that in any time before the final paper is due. Um, I would recommend that maybe you turn it in in Module 6 because we have a little bit of a lag time um, between that and the final paper, but you may redo Milestone 1 only. Milestones um, 2 through 4, the grade stand, but Milestone 1 you may redo. Alright, most of you got this, but remember that in interval schedules, it is the first response after the interval has passed that is reinforced. So it isn't the passage of time that's reinforced. Some of you had that, most of you did not. But it is important to note that passage of time, now the window of reinforcement is open. If it closes after a while, that's called a limited hold. But the window of reinforcement is open, but that does not mean the reinforcer is going to be delivered without a bar press. Okay, In a fixed and variable time, the reinforcer is delivered independent of responding. But in an interval schedule, there is a response requirement. So um, the rat must respond. The lever presses are still being reinforced. Okay, And in fixed time schedules, they are not. Um, a little bit of a nuanced thing. Um, it's true that a bunch of responses um, in succession during an interval schedule won't increase the magnitude of reinforcement because if I press the button a couple of times, there's going to be water at the hopper. It also, but something to keep in mind is that once that first response is reinforced, that interval resets. So the interval resets faster if a response is emitted quickly once that window is open. If the response has a long lag, then it's going to be a long lag to the next reset of that interval. So, um, yeah, it's not going to increase the magnitude of the, of the reinforcer, um, but at the same time, um, keep in mind that um, quicker responses do reset the interval faster. 
I am still seeing um, the reinforcements, and I think this has to do with that Cyber Rat uses the term. I wish they didn't. Unfortunately, the person who designed Cyber Rat, Roger Ray, it has passed on. He died last year. Or no, he died this year. Um, and so I don't know that it's ever going to be fixed. Um, but um, make sure that you're saying reinforcers. That is the more technical term, not the reinforcements. Okay, so I'm, I'm doing a lot of ones, and I want to make sure that you're not doing those. Um, a little bit of an APA style caveat. Um, when you're doing, um, when you're talking about your article, make sure that you're using the last name of at least the first author, and then the um, year in parentheses. So, um, for example, it would be Barthold et al. 1999 in parentheses. Don't use the title of the article in your prose. It's kind of a waste of your time and it doesn't flow well. It's not really good APA style. Okay. And um, just a quick reminder that um, even if you're lifting from Quizlet or you're, um, or you're saying something straight from Catania or you pull something straight from an article, that is considered plagiarism. Um, I will be checking for those things, um, especially I've been letting them slide in your milestones, but in your final draft, if I suspect any plagiarism and I find it, it will be referred to honor code. So just something to keep in mind. Make sure that you're thoroughly summarizing. Also, just so you know, for resources, if you go to the library link on Blackboard, you will see um, a link to Ann Melville. Anne is our librarian extraordinaire, so if you're having trouble finding peer-reviewed articles, um, if you're having trouble with um, how to access, how to read, what's a good peer-reviewed article, Anne is your person. Anne will not search for you. Anne won't write your paper for you, but she will help you. And she is available for consultation remotely. Also keep in mind if you're having trouble with summarizing sources or anything like that, the Writing Center is available to you from a distance. So they do Zoom consultations. Um, so, and it's important to note that the Writing Center fills up fast. Luckily, you're kind of on the earlier side of the semester. Um, they usually fill up faster at the end of the semester, but do get on their calendar because they are there to help. And last but not least, as I started, I will end with um, I'm available on Thursday nights and there's also a Calendly link. So if Thursday nights don't work for you, um, there are alternate times available. Um, you just have to go in and make that appointment. All right. Well, thank you very much for listening. Like I said, shorter than the last time and we'll see you soon.